Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Good morning. Good morning. And happy new year. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Ricky, and I am so excited to be here uh, to open God's Word with you. I met your pastor uh, three years ago today, this month, when he was in California, and I've just experienced him to be a very personable person, a very warm person, uh, a very relational person. And when he and I met there, I knew that he was from Chicago. And I said, hey, if you're ever in Chicago again, please, we got to connect. And you know how people say that sort of tongue-in-cheek. And then one day, he, he texts me. He says, I'm back. <laughs> and we're planning a church. And I was like, wow, that's the Lord. <laughs> so, uh, so excited that our lives have uh, intertwined. And I am so excited to be here with you uh, on the first Sunday of the year. Can you put your hands together? Give God a praise. Everybody didn't make it, but we did. And um, if, if you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian, you're saying, listen, I'm still on the precipice, still weighing this thing called faith. I want you to know that I believe that you're in a wonderful place, in a safe place to wrestle with the major questions of life from what I know of Pastor Luke and from what I know of good news. But by the chance that you are a Christian in church on the first Sunday of the year, just wave your hands if you're already a Christian. Okay. Uh, you know, I thought that that was possibly a possibility. Uh, and if you're not a Christian, you're not a very good sinner because you're in church on the first Sunday of the year. So you might as well believe, okay? You might as well uh, believe. So uh, I know it's sort of weird to have this strange guy up here on stage. And Pastor Luke left you with this stranger on the first Sunday of the year. But here, here's, here's what I want you to know about me. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he indeed did die, he was buried, and that he did raise from the dead. I believe that the Bible is the only authority, and it is the very voice of God. And so, by those standards, I am your nephew, I'm your cousin, I'm your brother in Christ, all right? So, with that being said, um, join me in the book of Proverbs 19. In verse 21, really, really simple message this morning. One verse, Proverbs 19 and verse 21. And I'm reading the NIV, the NIV. And verse 21 reads like this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, the grass withers and the flower fades, but your word shall indeed stand. 
God, I thank you for these, your precious sons and daughters. God, I thank you for those who are wrestling with their faith. God, I believe that they're in the perfect place. God, I thank you for this day and time. The world is crazy, but you knew when we would be born in this dispensation and time. And so this is our watch. The church is your plan A. There is no plan B. And we thank you for trusting us with carrying your message. So, Father, right now, as always, we ask that you would lift every burden, that you would loose every chain. Father, would you bind every evil spirit and would you destroy every yoke? May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Can every person in here say amen? Amen. Uh, I want to begin today by telling you a story uh, about something I did. Wasn't the best thing that I've ever done. Uh, I used to be the chaplain at a Christian high school, and our basketball team wasn't very good uh, because we were Christians, and the most important thing was is that we carried the gospel, not that we scored a lot of points. All right. So the team went very good, and one day we were winning against this team that we were not supposed to beat. They were better than us. Their facilities were better. They put more money into their sports programs. The players were taller. They could run faster. They could jump higher. We were not supposed to beat this team, and we started winning. And it was right at the end of the game, and I was presumptuous. I was like, we got this. We're going to win. And so here's what I did. I was the chaplain, so I got (laughs) out of the bleachers and went down to the court between the bleachers and the court, and I started leading the entire home side of the bleachers in this song, Hit the Road, Jack, and Don't You Come Back, No More, No More, No More. And I turned myself into this choir director, and I was getting them hype, y'all. I was performing, and everybody was into it. And then all of a sudden, people began to get quiet. So I was like, well, let me turn around and see what's going on in the game. And I turned around, and one of their players had thrown a pass the length of the court, and it was in the air. And the, and the opposing team was right under the basket. I mean, he caught it, laid the ball up. Now we're up by only two points. And nobody was singing the song that I had just led them in. And I was like, all right, well, you know, and I did what any black basketball fan with the old school spirit would do at that moment. I said, that's right where we want to be. That's right where we want to be. We're right where we want to be, you know. The next thing that happened, uh, one of our players passed the ball inbounds, and it was a less than ideal pass. The opposing team stole the ball, and he was right at the three-point line. He shot it. He made it. And now we were down by one. So now there's like one second left on the clock, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I let this crowd and hit the road, Jack. (laughs) And now we about to hit the road. (laughs) We pass the ball in, and we're hoping for something called a buzzer beater. It's something where you hope you magically beat the buzzer by scoring a shot, right, a point right at the end of the game. And there was just not enough time left. And so he threw the ball in, the kid caught it, and he, it wasn't really a shot. He just sort of heated, heaved it at the basket. It was a nice old-fashioned brick, and we lost the game. I want to preach a message today to someone who was hoping for a buzzer beater at the end of last year, and you didn't get it. And I want to tell you why God has something better for you than a buzzer beater. I want you to try this instead. Here it is. Time was created by God to serve the purposes of God. 
If we get that out of line, then a lot of things in life really won't make sense for us. Time, it didn't always exist. We see in the book of Genesis where time was created. Time was created by God to serve the purposes of God, the seasons, if you will. And I listened to uh, Pastor Luke's message on Ecclesiastes. I thought he did a wonderful job of explaining this. So that means this, as believers, we sometimes have a hard time refraining from elevating our values and making them God's, especially as it relates to time. You see, this is seen with so many people in Christianity with the message uh, that says that you and I need to complete our goals before the end of the year. Did you see them? Oh, there's still time left. There are 30 days left in this year in 2022. God can still bless you with what he said he was going to bless you with. Or there's two weeks left. You still have time. How anxiety-inducing is that? And as I, as I look at these messages by a well-meaning Christian culture, I understand something, that we don't view time the way that God does. You see, uh, December comes, and here we go, 30 days again left. But does, God does not operate in time the way that we do. The Bible explains in the book of Genesis that time did not always exist, it was created by God to serve the purposes of God. So if you want to be spiritually fit, how many of you know that that is not a goal that you can ever complete? That if you're working towards being spiritually fit or morally fit or, or biblically fit uh, as it relates to your walk with Christ at the end of last year, you're still working on that this year. How many of you know that if you want to be financially fit, that's not a goal that you can just drop and say, I've completed it in one day. That if your goal is to be truly financially fit, there's always something else to do. If you want to go to the level of philanthropist and you got so, you're so financially fit that you just feed the hungry and clothe the naked every single day, there's always something left to do. If you want to be relationally fit in your marriage and in your relationships. That's not something that you can arrive at and we can just say, we're done. So what this lets you and I know is the most important things in life are not bound by time. The rich and meaningful things of God come by taking daily steps under his direction. So God does not often work in buzzer beaters, but in the blessing of obedience. Proverbs 19, 21, I love this verse. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I have, a, I have this habit that I am carrying over into the new year. And uh, you may be disappointed when you find out what it is. Um, it's probably not a very good habit, but it's entertaining to me. I like watching those people on YouTube who jump from building to building for views. <laughs> if I see one of those videos, I'm going to watch it. And I have the same thought every time. My first thought is, they shouldn't be doing this. My next thought is, because you know they jump and the, and the frame is in regular speed and then right in the middle of the air, they slow it down to build a little drama. And my thought is, man, what if they don't make it? And then my very next thought is, man, what if they do? This is going to get a lot of views. 
But when I look at those videos, I realize that the Christian life isn't supposed to be lived that way. You see, some of us would rather we have uh, uh, these momentary huge leaps of faith that, 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 that take great courage and great recklessness rather than just obeying God and walking with him daily and consistently. And this next year, I want to say to us that we got to be careful of living a life that prefers momentary huge leaps of faith over daily and consistent walking with Jesus. Can you say amen? Sure, there are some times when a jump is required. If there's an army behind you with swords and spears, I suppose that you just got to jump and leave the rest to God. But let's be more practical. Uh, if, there, if the jump is starting a business, then jump. If the jump is going back to school, then jump. But if the jump will kill your marriage, if the jump will destroy you emotionally and physically or psychologically, then know this, following Jesus looks a whole lot more, a whole lot more like walking with him daily versus jumping from one place to another that could destroy you if you don't stick the landing. I'll never forget how many of us know somebody right now by show of hands who said last year, this is going to be my year to get married. Just, just raise your hand if you know anybody. If you're, with, if you're with them, don't point at them. You'll make them a little uncomfortable, okay? Just look straight ahead. Won't nobody know but me and you. I had a friend one time, and he said, the very next person I date, I'm going to marry him. And he did it. Didn't work out too well. You see, what I'm saying to us today is it brings me peace knowing that the most meaningful things will be pursued for the rest of my life, not the rest of the year. The Bible says that there are many plans in a person's heart, but it's the will and the purpose of the Lord that prevails. Now, let's be honest. For some of us, that brings us peace. For some of us, that brings us great joy. The knowing the fact that God will overrule our plans. But for some of us, we don't like this verse very much. And we wish we didn't come to church today because Pastor Luke ain't preaching no way. <laughs> but I want to remind us of a very important truth. And here it is. And, and, this, and this will be the trellis on which this biblical truth hangs. The primary and principal message of the church is the love of God. It's not the wrath of God. It's not the law of God. It's not the benefits of God. It's not the blessing of God. It's the love of God. When the Lord gives, it's because he loves us. When the Lord takes away, is because he loves us. Love is the trellis upon which all the character of God hangs. If he did it, he did it out of love. If he allowed it, he allowed it out of love. No matter the outcome of the plans of your heart, never doubt that he loves us. 
In Ecclesiastes, as Pastor Luke said a couple weeks ago, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what's planted. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Uh, Some of y'all experienced that during Christmas holidays. A time to laugh and a time to cry. None None of these seasonal changes will ever make sense to us or have purpose apart from his unfailing love. One of my favorite preachers says there's a certain psychology that goes with theology. You got to get the right mindset with the word of God. And all this means is, is that what if we were to look and read this with a different mindset? We're not editing the Bible, but what if we were to read this with a different mindset that simply says, because God loves me, there's a time to plant. Because God loves me, there's a time to pluck up that which has been planted. Because God loves me, there's a time to laugh. And yes, because God loves me, there's a time to cry. And because God loves me, there's a time in which our plans don't align with his plans, and he will overrule. But everything that he does is wrapped in love. So what does the Bible say about this? I really love this passage of Scripture, this one verse. It's just so full of stuff. The first problem we see in this verse is the first word, and that is many. I'll be honest with you today. One of the biggest challenges you'll face in this next year is many. Do you know that those... Those drink machines in the in the um, in like Five Guys and different places like that. Do you know that there are like seventy some thousand, I believe, combinations. You can get peach sprite, orange sprite, all these other combinations. There's something about our culture we love many. You see, but here's the issue with us as Christians. Watch this. The word here is translated to plan. It means to weave. And if there's one thing that Christians are good at, we are good at weaving. We will weave our theology and our philosophy and our experiences into every single segment of life. We have a way of weaving who we want to marry into God's plan and weaving the ministry that we feel called to into God's plan and weaving the financial status that we feel we ought to have into God's plan and weaving where we feel we ought to live into God's plan and weaving the neighborhood we want to buy a house into God's plan. If there's one thing that Christians know how to do well, my brothers and my sisters, we know how to weave. See, but God has not called us to weave with him. He's called us to walk with him. Show me a frustrated Christian, and it's likely someone who is weaving where they should be walking. One scholar comments that our plans are often laborious, meaning they take a lot of work to devise, but yield little to no fruit. You see, one of the words to plan, it means to weave. So here's here's what we got to do. You may want to write this down. I did. You'll get that on the way home. There's often a tension between the sovereign plans of God and the varied plans of man. 
We've got options and we've got uh, choices and we've got abilities and we've got giftings and we've got relationships. And it's so easy to rely and to pull on all these other things in our lives, not realizing that all we're doing is trying to weave what we have into what God has. Number two, the next problem we see is where the plans are housed in our hearts. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. Deceitful, deceitful above all things, even me. So can I just self-identify? My heart is desperately wicked and my heart is deceitful above all things, even me. Look at our brother David. He writes, your word have I hid in my heart that I absolutely at no time in life will not sin against God. Nope, that I might not sin against God. That means that the heart is deceitful even above the word of God in my heart, that even when I have the word planted in my heart, I still have to make some decisions. I'm going to wrestle sometimes with what is right. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, even me. Now, now, most of us will admit that we have had our heart deceive us. Ladies, you probably know what it's like to intend on kissing a prince and you open your eyes to a frog. <laughs> now, if you're married to your frog, that's your frog, don't you? The pastor didn't say, go put him away. Single ladies, how many of you, you intended on pursuing a fruitful relationship but ended up in a situationship? How many times have we bought the perfect car? Man, this car is going to bring me such great joy. When I met my wife, I was driving this BMW, and I, I ain't going to lie. I thought, you know, I was pushing a black man's wagon. You know, it was a BMW. You know, I thought I was doing something. And my wife was not impressed with that car because I had to take it to the shop at least a minimum of once a quarter. And she was like, you need to sell that car. It rains inside in your car. That car ain't all that. And she was right. How many times we go and purchase something that we're certain will bring us great joy and it's just a money pit because our heart leads us into places that are not fruitful for us. When we think about how God figures things out and how he works things out in our lives and how he has predestined things for us, if we presume we automatically know his will, it will lead us to a very sad place. Here's what I mean by that. One of my favorite examples is when Jesus is born, the angel comes to Joseph and he tells Joseph, listen, you get Mary and Jesus out of here. Herod is tripping. He's going to try to kill all of these baby boys just to find your son. Listen, take them out of here. Now watch this. Why wouldn't God say, Stay here and, and watch, and I'm going to show that I am the Lord. Nobody's going to bother you. I am God. He didn't say that. He sent the angel to tell Joseph to get Mary and Jesus out of there. And what I see today is a lot of frustrated Christians because they think that God's default is always to stand and fight. And if we presume we know the will of God, we'll be fighting in places that God is saying fleeing. And we will be fleeing in places that God is saying fighting. I wonder how much of the Western church is distracted by a fight that God never said fight. You see, Herod was tripping 
And here he is. He's poised to kill all the babies just to get to Jesus. And what does the angel tell Joseph? He tells him to flee. He says, I will tell you when to come back. So a presumptuous spirit leads to poverty of purpose. I want to just throw my anchor overboard there for a second. Where are you presuming and assuming in your life where you need to be led and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit? Where have you presumed and assumed that you know God's default? You know what God is going to do. You know what his will is, but you really need to accept the terms of daily bread. See, we don't really like the terms of daily because it means that we have to seek God for it daily. But the way he designed us, the way our manufacturers made, made us, he made us to need to seek him daily. In this next year, don't miss God's purpose. Don't miss God's plan because we presume to know his default. That's why it's called daily bread. Lastly, the Bible says, this is a good part. I promise if I come back on a Sunday when the sinners are here and not all of you Christians, it'll be something lighter. Last problem, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Now you can tell because I quoted the King James Version what kind of church I grew up in. I grew up in what black folks would say over in holiness, okay, where there was more, a longer list of things you couldn't do than a list of things you could, okay? And so, excuse my vernacular, but the way that verse is translated in these circles is, whom the Lord loves, he beats the heck out of. But that's not what that verse means at all. You see, the Bible gives an imagery basically of whom the Lord loves, he cuts off or he blocks. I wish we did a lot, uh, a lot better blocking last night during that Michigan game, but never mind. He, he blocks off. So in other words, get the imagery of a child playing at the top of uh, uh, some steps. And if they fall, it could dramatically alter their life for the rest of their life. And so what the father does, he comes and he blocks them off. He sees what they're headed for. He sees where they're going. He sees the potential, <coughs> he sees the potential harm and he blocks them off. Whom the Lord loves, he blocks off. God overrules our plans because he loves us. You see, God has already fulfilled the law. So he's not trying to rule us as though we are slaves because he calls us friends. So it's the love of God that rules our plans because the law of God has already been fulfilled. As the musicians come, I just want to leave you with a few pondering questions. And I want you to be introspective and really, really, really seek the Lord during this time. If you want to close your eyes and bow your head or whatever it is, that you're familiar doing, you can do so at this time. What if today you and I were to release the tension between our many plans and what God is leading us into? What would it look like today to fully yield to the Holy Spirit and not filter God's direction through our friends and our family? 
What would it look like to humble ourselves and realize that we don't know what God's next move is by default? What would it look like this year to understand that every single time that God overrules, he does so with his love? You can open your eyes for a second. I want to leave you with this as musicians just begin to play. I had an experience recently. We were on vacation. My wife Amber is here. And I put my contacts on in the morning, and y'all, I couldn't, I just, things would not focus. And I was, i am be honest with you, I was terrified. And I went to her because that's what a grown man does when something's wrong, he goes to his wife. Amen. And I'm like, Amber, I can't see. And then she was like, what do you mean you can't see? I was like, my eyes won't focus. And she would, I, I kid you not, my wife, my loving wife of seven years, she said, how do, how do these jeans look? I'm like, I can't see, and you're worried about your outfit. I was like, no, seriously, I can't see. So she was like, I'm sure to be fine. Just put some drops in your eyes. And I'm walking around the house, and I'm nervous. My eyes will not focus. And... I go for about 10 or 12. I was like, no, seriously, Amber, I don't know if we need to go to the doctor. My eyes are not focusing. I cannot see. And then she came to me and she said, I know why you can't see. She said, your contacts are in the green case. Mine are in the purple. <laughs> I have never been so happy in my life. I took her contacts out or I took her vision off. And I put mine on, and then I can begin to see clearly. So much of how we focus and so much of what we see is based on the world around us or what someone else said we needed and not what God has for us ourselves. But when we take off someone else's vision and put on God's vision for us, you can begin to tell other people, you know what, you need to try this instead. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for these, your precious sons and daughters. God, I, I believe that there are some people here today that may be just as frightened as I was. Lord, I was terrified. I thought that the sky was falling. I thought I was losing my vision. God, what that lets me know is, is that when we put on someone else's vision, things can seem a lot worse than they really are. God, I want to intercede for someone here today because if they are your son or daughter, if they are led by your Holy Spirit, if they have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, then that means if they're in a point of desperation this morning, only one thing can be true. Things seem worse than they really are. Because God, where you lead, you feed, where you guide, you provide, and where you direct, you protect. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you now for a year led by you. God, we cast down our presumptions that we know your default. God, we cast down the, the desire to always want to have many and varied plans and so many options. God, we cast down the plans to ever, ever, even once this year, doubt that when you overrule us, it's because of your law and not because of your love. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. The people of God said together, amen. Amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. 
I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.